to Group Text. I'm Melissa Rivers, and this is where we talk about everything that my friends and I have been texting about for the last couple weeks, and, well, basically just shit that interests me. We have a really special show today. It's almost the end of the year, and we're going to talk about mental health, and we'll get to my personal kind of crazy in a little while. We have wonderful guests. We have Lynn Morris, licensed marriage and family therapist and senior vice president of clinical operations for Didi Hirsch, which I am a board member of. Yes, you so are. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you. We have the lovely and beautiful, as always, Sabrina Miller. Oh my, what an introduction. Thank you. We have actor, producer, activist, Princeton alum, Dean Kane. Thank you so much. I like the lovely and beautiful. I would have gone with that. that yeah. been, if I could pick my title, I would go with that one. The well, lovely and the beautiful, yes. right? And absolutely one of my favorite people in the world. Mary Lou Henner, and your list is too long to even begin <laughs> to rattle off what umbrellas you would fall into. Oh, thank you. And you are just absolutely and forever back. You can probably, again, you have that, what is the memory thing it's you called have? called H-SAM, Highly right. Superior Autobiographical Memory. I just like yeah. Highly Superior. I, I, I always feel uncomfortable saying that, so I, I but, like H-SAM. Yeah, but I love it. Yes, I'm Highly Superior. Wow. I love wow. that. Just I a love, tiny bit. I mean, the introductions People. just keep getting better. Better and better. better. I know, but I'm with you. The lovely and beautiful. Is exactly. Like so, happy holidays. Actually, now I change it. I want the H-SAM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. So, happy mm. Past Thanksgiving, almost holidays. I know. This is so, the time of well, year. It is. And the end of the year is often when we take time to reflect and think about self-improvement and sort of to take stock, especially as we're in the dreaded December moment, which is everyone's like, what are your resolutions? What do you think you could do better? Oh, dear God, I really think I'm going to murder my relatives if they <laughs> stay another day. Um but it's also a season, and this is something I've spoken very, very openly about. It's also a season of depression. People get super, super down and hard on themselves at the end of the year, especially in the holidays. So it's kind of the perfect time to talk about mental health, suicide, suicide prevention. And today's guests have all spoken very openly and have been active in the mental health world from just being active, from things they've experienced themselves, and just people who are a little bit more insightful. And I, I love that about you guys. Um, Mary Lou, I'm gonna start with you. Sure. You are part of an amazing group called Your Mom Cares, and you are December's Mental Wellness Mom of the Month. It's <laughs> wow. another umbrella. Another umbrella. <laughs> does this mean you do a calendar shoot? What does Mental oh, Health Mother not? of the Month mean? Is well, there, is there, are you Miss December? <laughs> you know what? That was the only way I was going to become a Miss December, so I went for it. No, this is a great organization that I'm part of. My best friend in the world, Sharon Feldstein, who's the mother of Beanie Feldstein and Jonah Hill, and her other great best friend uh, is um, uh, Patsy Noah, who's the mother of... Uh, of Adam Levine. And so the two of them decided to do this because they care, they're moms, and they felt like, you know, this is a way of giving back to a community that has served them well. And it's, they're involved with all these different charities for children. And it's all about mental wellness. You know, instead of thinking of mental illness, it's mental wellness. And so I've been close to them for a long time and they asked me to do this. So I'm giving tips, things like that. But one of the interviews I read about you, it said, as amazing as it is and how much of a party trick it is, 
it's also something very hard to deal with. Well, not not for me, for most, most of the other people. Most of the other people. I, my, people always say to me, is it a blessing or a curse? And I always say, it's definitely a blessing. Oh my gosh, to grow up with six brothers and sisters, you know, five brothers and sisters, because we're six of us. And it was always like something, you know, you when you're like a, a part of a litter, you look for anything <laughs> that makes you feel a little different from your brothers and sisters. Uh -huh. And I was always Miss Memory, the Memory Girl, Univac, things like that. So I was the family historian. And as a result, I always felt like, oh, I have some little thing, you know, other people have other things, but this was mine. I always say it's not, a, it's not, it's always a blessing for me. It's only a curse for my husband, which, which is why I'm on my third and final. And, and he always says, what man ever wins an argument against his wife anyway, at least he has an excuse. But it really is about just tracking everything. And I definitely have something unusual. But a lot of the people who have this This is what I suffer, read about. Yeah. Suffer from it. They they feel imploded by their memories. But you know, I've had this whole other career and and, and you know what else? People come to me all the time and say, My niece has it, my son has it, my nephew my uh, granddaughter has it. I always say, get them into acting because you're gonna use that memory like all the time. You're gonna celebrate the fact. But my advice always for the holidays is you know, sometimes you have to smile, nod, and move on because the slings and arrows of other people, you have to let have this little coat of Teflon. Mm -hmm. And as they bounce off of you, I always think of like flaps up. And, you know, the earlobes go, <laughs> go up, up, flaps up, that, and you just smile, up. nod, and move on. Because sometimes it's their drama. You know, it's totally about them rather than anything that they might be slinging in your direction. Especially with with your mom cares, young people. Yes, young people. It's so important to get children involved in, in being able to express their feelings and, you know, to understand what is kind of maybe going on with them. We've certainly had things in my family, et cetera. And, you know, I was in therapy for many years. I loved it. I think if you want to, if you want to, uh, not an eighth grade education on yourself, but you want sort of a, a, you know, a master's, then you get yourself to some kind of good therapist. I'm just laughing because... My therapist, I'm putting his children through college. I am, <laughs> and he has twins. Oh, well. So there you go. That's good. Um, Dean. The next victim. Not really yeah. victim because we're just, I'm just laying the groundwork for conversation. I got it. You have lived, you have, you have, first of all, you have lived. <laughs> um, you have flown. Yes. You have flown. You were, and I'll let you talk about it, in a relationship with Mindy McCready. You guys were engaged. You were living with someone with significant mental health and addiction issues and sadly ended up in, killing yourself. Mm -hmm. what, when did you walk us through, when did you know something was wrong? Well, you know, it was interesting um, because I, if you had asked me during the relationship, in the middle of the relationship, if that was the case, uh, I would have said no. There's nothing wrong with her. Um, extremely talented singer, <clears throat> young, precocious. It was cool to be precocious at the time. It was there were certainly flags going up over certain behavior things that she did, and and you know being perennial, perennially late to, to concerts or things, and you know not really wanting to have that sense of responsibility. I was sort of chalking that up to her being young. Um, and as time went on, things it, it's really what uh, you know made the the relationship uh, implode was that she was doing things that were really sabotaging the the relationship and a lot of it was i think based on her upbringing 
you know, and it's the way her parents were with her. Um, and they were, her parents were divorced. Um, they were very, very different. Mother was very overbearing in that sense. I have no and, idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it started to get to this place where she started just telling lies about the most innocuous stuff and really trying to control what I was doing. And I never understood that. It didn't make any sense to me. And, and what ended up happening is the relationship ended. Um, I think where her addictions might have even started was when she had a tonsillitis surgery, uh, and as a singer, that's a very terrifying. Sure, thing. yeah, scary. And um, she was a she was a country yeah, singer right. and um, great voice and and um, tremendous performer. And then she had that surgery. And she was terrified, and she was taking. I remember because I was administering the the pain medication, and she would always want it early, want it early, and I'd give it a few times, and then she actually threw up. Now having that. Tonsil oh. surgery, and and then throw it. That she stopped. She didn't even want to see any of it, and that was great. Um, and I never saw any behavior, uh, as far as addiction goes, toward that at all. After that, that was the end of that. Um, and but then the mental the, health the, issue. The mental health issue was, you know, had you told me, listen, as things <clears throat> as things went on, and and, I, and we ended up parting ways, and I, I end, ended the relationship. But after I ended the relationship, she said she did. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's just a breakup thing. But then I, all the stories were always a little bit different. They were always off. And then I stopped even talking, um, even mentioning or commenting on it. And it just kept going. And I watched that behavior continue into her next sort of public relationships and the things she was doing. And and then she started, I, you know, I, then I would, I wouldn't, I wasn't even talking to her near the, near the last, you know, several years because that behavior continued. Nothing she said made any sense. And you know, she was getting arrested for getting, you know. Um, Buying, um, you know, uh, prescription medication. Uh, there was a number of those, and so it was a, uh, it was, it was awful, an awful situation to see that happen. And I've had a number of friends commit suicide, and it's a terrible thing. Were a you shocked? Them- were you shocked when you heard she had had taken her own life? Well, no. Um, because uh, her boyfriend at the time, or her fiance, I don't know who it was, she, he had just taken his life uh, wow. just just beforehand. And so uh, I wasn't shocked to hear that um, because that, there was just so much, it was just one of those situations where it was a downhill spiral. Can um, I ask something yes, more later? Yes, yes. I just wondered, had you ever had any experience with anybody who had her kind of mental illness or was there somebody, you know how like sometimes I went to Al-Anon because my first husband was an alcoholic and he talks about it openly. And one of the things you kind of learn is that you grow up a certain way and everything else. It's like you know your car. You know, you go to a parking right. lot, you know your car. So you, we tend to pick people that sort of we've Mirror. seen in our families. We've, you know, whatever. Like one sibling might be difficult, one sibling might be easy. And I just wondered if in your past, you know, because when, when I first got involved with him and he said he was an alcoholic and then things, he was really an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, oh, you know, I'm so sunny, I can fix this. But, I mean, I just wondered if in your past you had had somebody so that you recognized it or had nobody and didn't recognize, recognize it. it. Exactly. Uh, I don't think I recognized it at all. No. And if I did, it, it was uh, recognized incorrectly. I just uh. thought, saw it as her being immature and just telling lies a lot of the time. I couldn't figure out why that was. Lynn, is that a common thing that you don't know till it's too late? Yeah, it's often, especially with people who are suicidal, there are warning signs that people can look for because... of people will give a warning sign of some sort. It's oftentimes we see it afterwards because we're looking back on the situation. But it is common. I think it's one of those things that you don't know what you don't know at the time. And then you learn and and become more educated about mental wellness or suicide afterwards. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, that makes a little more sense now that they were doing this or doing that. Um, So that is relatively common that people see it after. 
both the Dean and Mary Lou's situation, what do we need? What what advice would you have given since they both thought, and I did too, be fixers? Like if we had known, like what advice, if you were a therapist, would you have said to us? Yeah, I think it's very common for people to want to fix people and to, to help them. They're really trying to help and support the person. And that's really where the intention is coming from. And that's always a good intention to have. But obviously there have to be boundaries with that. And there has to be the ability to say, you know, I can't fix you, but I want to help you. You know, mm. what is yeah. going to work mm -hmm. for you? And really sitting down with the person and talking to them about, especially if they've had a period of sobriety maybe in sure. the past, Which, to say what was going on then that worked for you then that we can now look at and see if maybe we can do a little more of that or try something different if it didn't work. But it's really being that support person to them, not being the fixer, because we're all adults. We don't like to be yeah, told stay what in to your do. Stay in your lane, exactly. Yeah, and you don't stay like, you know, none of us like to be told what to do in that sense or how to live our life. So it's about helping them to learn how to make better choices and to see the consequences of, of some of their behaviors. But they ultimately have to be the one to do that. I, I love what you said there. I can't fix yeah. you, but but I want to help you. That's well, it's amazing. Also coming I'm at using it, that. And yeah. that's really interesting, especially because we've been talking about mental health mental wellness is coming at it almost from a positive mm -hmm. I want to help you better sure. than coming at going yeah what's wrong with you right which is a very different approach now Sabrina you are I may have had that approach in the past to be honest oh please we all have Except for Sunny over here. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, trust me. Trust Listen, me. she's highly really. superior. Exactly. So. Our highly superior, our highly superior little <laughs> ray of sunshine. No. No, you know what's so funny is that my brother always says that women pick uh, women pick men uh, for their makeover potential. You know? And, <laughs> oh, wow. my God. It's like so true. So true. It's like, you know, my uh, my... my Third and final husband. I love, I I love the, the car. I love the qualifier. My <laughs> third, third and, final. and final. We hope anyway. So <laughs> when, you know, when he's walking from the car to the house, I'm going like, oh my god, I've got to get him to my friend who's a hairdresser. Who did his clothes tonight? You know, this kind of thing. And so you know, it's like we we see these things, and it's like I know how to do this, and it's something I've had to really learn to let go of because that's hard. We all do. Yeah, we all we do. do. Yeah. You gotta let go. As you yeah. get older, you're like, yeah. you know what? It's really not worth the fight. Yeah. I want to win the war. <laughs> Are you a forest or a trees kind of person? That's sort of the theme these days. Yeah, Sabrina's definitely a long game kind of person. <laughs> yes. But you are going through something right now with your godson. I am. Uh, my godson, his mother passed away about three years ago. By the way, and I'll just fill in. How old is he? He now is 15. Mm. One of Sabrina's best friends passed away very suddenly and in a very frightening right. manner. Mm -hmm. was she had an aneurysm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. An instant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so what we're finding now is, well, first of all, she fostered, then adopted him. Wow. Okay? And the system is just so screwed up, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, so now we fast forward. So he's living with the grandparents who are like 75, 80, so you've got this teenager who's still dealing with a great amount of grief. And now some of his issues are starting to surface. So we, we found out that there was some um, sexual molestation mm -hmm. um, from one of the parents. Um, we're also finding out... One of the out, foster parents? No, it was his... Uh, well, it was a stepfather. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then what we're also finding, so he told his grandmother one day, he was like, I'm hearing voices. Mm-hmm. And the voices are telling me to hurt myself and kill you. Wow. You and grand, so granddaddy. Split. And so I was like, okay, so she was dealing with all this. And it's so interesting because, you know, different cultures, it's it's really a taboo. So you kind of try to ignore it like, you know, we're going to make him better. It's going to be all right. And so she would lock herself in the bedroom at night because she was afraid yeah. after hearing this stuff. And so I was like, you have to get him help. So um, they took him to several different doctors, put him on holds, and they would release him. But then there was a shooting at one of the schools, and the doctor was like, well, we're not going to release him today. I was like, really? <laughs> you didn't think about that last week when you released him, and he ran out of the house half naked, screaming, I need to kill us all still? Wow. And, and the other thing that the grandparents are having a difficult time with is he's 15. Big, so he's three, so, three years away. Well, yeah. not he's only big, that, big, he's strong. a big boy. He's a yeah. big, he's yeah. big boy, and so he's now starting to feel like he can overpower the grandparents. Right. Has he been diagnosed? Well, that's the thing. They This last time he went in, because one, one of the things I have to ask you, one of my friends said to me who deals with mental health, she said, is he hearing inside voices or outside voices? And I was like, wait, time oh, out. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I'm like, wait, I need you to really quantify what, what you're saying because I hear voices too. She was like, no, it's different when you and I hear a whisper like, don't do that or go to the left or go to the right. And you realize Take your that. medication. Take your medication. With a glass kind of, of wine. <laughs> right. Perhaps exactly. a buttery, uh, perhaps you and I. Buttery Chardonnay. A buttery Chardonnay. Oh, synergistic effect. Yeah. Just, just. Singing it. So, <laughs> right. But I didn't, when I heard that, that was new to me. I'm like, well, could I be one step short of inside versus outside? But in any event, going to the different doctors, he now is 15 years old, tur- about to turn 16, where he has rights so he can say, I don't want to go there or be on a hold. You have to do really extreme measures and really know the system to get help. Mm-hmm. So we're really, so now they're saying he has um, uh, personality, he's, he's exhibiting personality uh, disorder traits. Mm-hmm. So what the hell does that mean? Yeah, those are running down the street but, screaming, yeah. I'm going to kill everyone is not a trait. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, is that he he did say he's been hearing these voices since my friend passed away, but they're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So between the grief and the voices, and it's it's just, uh, excuse my French, it's a shit show. So then what do we do? What do we do with that? Well, I think the first thing is it's great that you've taken him in to get a psychiatric evaluation because, you know, this could also be the beginnings of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, other things. This is a common time, 15 to 18, you know, late teens, early 20s, where people start to have mental health symptoms. Hearing voices is a serious one, especially if they're telling him things. It'd be interesting to know what the voices are telling him because oftentimes people will hear voices that tell them to kill themselves or to run in traffic or or do things that could be potentially harmful to themselves or somebody else. Mm -hmm. So that's urgent. So clearly taking him to the hospital, getting assessed. You know, the other thing is really sitting down with him. And we often tried to fix, as we were talking about before, but... 
talking about what's going on at the moment. What's hurting him? Why is he in pain? What's happening right now? You have to understand what's going on for him internally before you know, can fix him and help him. But and isn't you it have the to fact listen. that he lost his mother in such a severe and an immediate way and the right. fact that he's being... Is it is it her parents that are raising it's, him? It's her parents. And oh, so, so he it, really is now saying... I mean, it's he's also well, dealing with... he clearly with, has some trauma, he has, too. He has from, some... He, from the molestation. From the molestation right. he, and, and it's just all, being a foster kid. Right. I mean... It's all... By the time he got to her, he had... And he was... She took him in when he was, like, four. Wow. He had already been to nine different homes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you that can she only was imagine... She biological mom, yeah. or she was not? No. She was, she was not. not. She raised him from four until right. she right. passed away. Right, right, And so that was kind of really crucial. But one of the other things that my friend said was the, the therapist, because she said, make we need to find out who's taking the interview with him, he, they have to ask the right questions. Yeah. Because she's like, very often, you don't ask the right questions and you get a, a different diagnosis. Like, right. you know. And the wrong therapist is worse sometimes than right. yeah. any therapist. Yeah. Yeah. No therapist. And finding yeah. a therapist that really specializes in trauma-informed care would be mm-hmm. important for your yes. godson because clearly he's mm-hmm. been through a tremendous amount of trauma, so that would be really important as well. Speaking of teenagers and, and Mary Lou has young adults. Yeah, they're 24 and 25. Right. I have a just turned 19 year old. Yours is 19. 19. Mm-hmm. I have a 15 year old. And you have a 15 year old. Yeah. Dean, you went through a custody battle mm-hmm. to make sure that your son lived in one home, not bouncing back and forth between you and his mom. Why did you feel that was so important? You know, honestly, the bouncing back and forth, I tried to make as easy as possible. So did I, by the way. I tried to make it so we had the same, like, a nanny. I wanted her to work at the same time. I wanted us to live real near each other so it would be a very easy thing for him and have consistency. Um, His mother, she fought me um, because she thought... Is this Mindy? No, no, this is is Samantha. Oh, Um, that's two for you. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, there's been others. Oh, I've got a list, Mary Lou. (laughs) Yeah. We could be here for a long time. Actually, this is an intervention. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You got your. Th- I like in. the fact you got your three and final. And I, lo- I love exactly. the asterisk. See, we're all we're all doing just fine. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Lynn, this is really for you to help us. <laughs> yeah, we brought you into this. I, no, I'm so, a fixer. <laughs> my uh, so I just wanted to share custody, and she didn't. She's from Spain, and she figured um, we're having a baby, we're gonna get married, and. That's the way it's going to be, whether we care about each other or not. And I was like, that's not how it works. It won't work oh, that so way for me. you weren't married to her. We weren't married. We weren't really even together at the no. time. Well, we have well, to have we, a separate we, show we, about that. Yeah. protection. Yeah, I, well, you know, yeah, good point, good point. That's a good idea. Conversations. I, clearly, I missed the show. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, you missed apparently the missed the memo on that. Yeah, I've been telling my son that very much, though. But, oh, uh, by the way, me too. Yes. Oof. You've been telling my son? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Or you have a guy telling him, you know, whatever. Truth, but I was 32 at the time, and, and I had known her for a long time, and and, th- and this happened, and, and so I just wanted to share custody, and I and I was very clear. I said, look, you're going to be the, the mother of my child, and I'll be the father of your child. I'll be honest with you. Everything I tell you will be the truth, period. So I'm going to tell you this relationship's not going to work for me. I told her that up front, and that was not a well-received piece of information. Oops. Um, and we started, that's when the <laughs> brawling sort of start, started. She kept starting to go back to Spain to have the child, and I wouldn't be able to see him, and I could have him on weekends and this, that, every other weekend. So I, I don't see that happening in my life. I'm adopted. Um, my mother uh, and my biological father divorced before I was born. Uh, and I was raised by my mom until she married my father now. And he's, uh, I was three years old when they met, four years old.
old and he adopted me and wonderful. It was great. And I know that I needed both parents and it was wonderful. So I wanted him to have both parents, but his mother made some really bad decisions and she's loved him to death. We just parented differently, which happens with every mm-hmm. yeah. co-parenting situation. And, and then um, she brought somebody into his life that was a bad influence and then I said, if this guy's in his is in his life, I'm going to sue for full custody, and and I and I did, and and we ended and did up you settling. get it because of the the guy? I got it because I would have gotten it because of the guy, and by, by the time it would have happened, he would have, my son would have been old enough to choose, uh-huh. and she had just had twins with this guy too, and so it was a whole different situation. So when I, when he was nine, I had de facto full custody. Right. When he was baby, I sued for joint custody at 18 months, ended up with joint custody until he was nine, and then at nine I. Took took full custody, de facto took it because she was too busy with right. having the twins and doing that thing. When he was 12, it, I sued, I literally went into court again and, and she didn't contest it. Um, and Does he see her? He sees her all the time. He's with oh. her, he was with her this morning when I left. Oh. So he has a good relationship. So yeah. yeah, I'm actually the godfather to her twins now. Okay, now it's just getting weird. No, no, no. Like, no that's good. That's what you have to do. No, yeah, but now it's just to. getting no, weird. Listen. Because it's about the kids. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's okay. all about the kids. You guys, so, Dean yeah, is amazing. an exception. You yeah. know yeah. that. He's yeah. an exception. Yeah. First he's going to tell you, no, I don't want you. <laughs> yeah. Straight up front. Straight up. Yeah. But he really is a parent, a good parent. Yeah. Now, I, I changed my whole life. The last 20, 20 years, I haven't taken the lead in any television show. I've been offered, woo, a lot of good stuff. I, I never left. I wouldn't leave Los Angeles. Get a test of this, right? <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't leave Los Angeles. I wouldn't take the lead in any show, and I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't do a film that went longer than well, one film I did with Denzel Washington because it was Denzel Washington. But that was the only one, and I had to fight in court in order to get that time to be able to go do that. And that was cost me more than I got paid on that because Denzel took all the money. Yeah. Because <laughs> Denzel deserves yeah, all the money. Yeah. Do you do stuff like which I do when I say like I whisper in his ear like you'll never love anyone. <laughs> Do you now do like, no. daddy gave up his career? <laughs> I never do that to him. He doesn't even know. He just knows. So you're a uh, much nicer parent. Yeah. 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 You don't want your kid. I mean, my, I have somebody, I'm not going to say which sibling, but but one of the uh, people in my family said, oh, my son's not dating till he's 40. Oh, he's, you know what I mean? And then that was that's Melissa. a big responsibility. That was Melissa. Like, that was <laughs> Melissa. I don't know oh, what the best. Send him out in the but, world. No. Give him the wherewithal. You can, by the way, you can, you can love anyone you want. You can have a relationship. You can get married, but you have to still love mommy more than anybody. <laughs> That's You're all. You're going to have trouble with your daughters-in-law. Ask yeah. me how much Ooh. I care. Okay. Oh, she. You're gonna be one of those, huh? Okay. Lynn, you're gonna. Perhaps. Have your you're gonna have your hands full. Perhaps. Yeah, I already do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is Melissa's intervention. Yes, exactly. But we're, you know, we're talking a lot about our personal experiences. Obviously, I've talked very openly about dealing with a parent who committed suicide and have been very active in this. In the suicide community, which always sounds so weird. But one of the things that struck me lately, and this is really talking about now and the end of the year and moving forward, mm. we live in such a divisive time. And we're seeing a huge uptick in suicides with young people. And Mary Lou, you and I spoke about we talked, this. We're talking about that, yeah. And what, what are these? The, I find the numbers terrifying. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's the second leading cause of death for 15 to 24-year-olds. 
um, more teens attempt suicide than any other age group. This is has this so, been this doing this for has this been consistent or has it changed? It's gone it's, up, hasn't it? It's yeah, gone it's, up. Yeah, for yeah. a long time it was the third leading cause of death, and probably in the last five years or so it's it's moved up to now the second leading cause of death. Mm-hmm. There have certainly been more attempts. We get more calls on our suicide crisis line from young adults and teens. About 50% of our crisis line calls are from 25 and under. Um, And our chats, about 70% and under. So the good thing is they're reaching out for help. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a good thing. But clearly our teenagers nowadays have way more stressors than we ever stressors did and growing not the up. same coping skills that right. a lot well, of that's people my and, yeah. what are we doing yeah. about because and, and and this is something i feel very strongly about i love the fact that we talk about i know you say mental wellness i say mental health all these different things mm-hmm. i feel like and i might get a lot of crap for this we as parents and adults are creating a group of young people that really do not have proper coping skills. And do you think that we're part of the reason that that this is happening? Parents have a huge influence on their children. I mean, just with what Dean was saying, that's a positive influence, obviously, with what he did. Um, But sure, if we're coddling our kids, if we are making everything okay, if everybody's a winner all the time, they're not learning failure and that's important to Mm -hmm. learn Mm -hmm. how to deal with failure and how to get back up when you fall down and have that resilience because our kids nowadays are exposed to the internet and so much social media it's not and it's the filters it's not just the kid at school who's giving them a tough time now they go home and everybody in the nation is in their bedroom and yeah and that makes it really difficult for teens to really be able to become resilient and do all those things when everything's coming at them so fast. So yeah. as parents, we have to really, I know this is unpopular to say, but you have to monitor your kids' social media accounts. Oh, they right. have the Absolutely. whole world Absolutely. in front of them, and it's a scary world. So yeah. we have to make sure I, we're doing that. The first day my son went to Columbia, there was a girl who said, I can't handle it, and she jumped out the window, and she killed herself the very first day of school. They had, classes hadn't even started. The parents left, and she jumped out the, the four-story window. And it's like... You know, they don't know. They don't have that metal. They don't have that kind of, like, grit that you need to survive in this world. Well, and and what we're seeing now, and again, this might be a very unpopular thing, is uh, everyone has a safe space. Everyone is offended by everything. Everyone, everything is a trigger. And I've, this really came to life for me. I just did a show out of Denver, and one of the hosts, there was a segment, and they said, this segment might trigger some of you, so be aware. I don't even remember what the segment was. You got triggered by the triggering. I did. I got, by the way, <laughs> everything should trigger. Yeah. I basically got triggered by them saying they need yeah. to trigger. That would trigger it me might too. be a trigger. <laughs> Are we, and this is something that scares me, especially someone who talks so openly about mental health and suicide. Are we watering it down? Are we watering down what it means to get help? If everyone has a trigger, are we going to lose? people who genuinely have, let's say, PTSD. If everybody is having emotional reactions to everything, what happens to the veteran who has been truly traumatized? I mean, that's my fear is we're watering it down. Yeah, that's a tough question because I think that is, it's very different for different people. So clearly veterans have um, a and tremendous that as an example. amount of stress. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I also think it's really important that 
especially teens or young adults, start talking about their mental health issues early and start talking about it when it's not a huge issue or a suicidal crisis. So I think we're seeing more of that because there's less stigma. And I think that's important so that people understand we can talk about mental health. Now, the key is we have to have education around mm-hmm. mental health. Right. People have to understand just as there's varying degrees of cancer where you may recover, you may not. There are varying degrees of mental health issues. So it doesn't mean that you have to be severely traumatized or have a severe mental health issue to need help. Yeah, right. and everybody's so, so individual. You absolutely. know what I mean? And you don't know what the triggers are yeah. in everybody's family or so you know, whatever. It's important to talk about it still, yeah. but I think the education is is key. Right. So when somebody says, you know, it's common for kids especially to say, oh, I'd rather kill myself than, you know, study for this test or something There's a big yeah. that difference nature. between that yeah. and difference. they want to die for the weekend so yeah. they don't have to do their Or program. yeah, I yeah. wasn't invited you know. to the party, you know, my right. life is over. Exactly. Right. So Till you, Monday. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. For, yeah. the week, for the weekend. For the weekend. Right. So you Except talk for my to my friend who, by the way, called me last night who has a teenage daughter who apparently she claps too loud at games. <laughs> and what? her daughter's going to just die if she claps anymore at games. <laughs> Is that not genius? Yeah. I, uh, her 16 year old daughter, you clap too loud. I, I played uh, football all the way up till I was a professional football player. In college, my parents moved. I went to Princeton. Right. We talked about this. My, my parents moved to Princeton for the, my senior year because they hadn't seen my football games. Televised games. During a televised game, you could hear my mother's voice <laughs> during the game. Are you sure and, it wasn't just your dog yeah. whistle? You <laughs> exactly. Know? exactly. My dad wouldn't sit next to her. He would go away because he couldn't, because she would scream at everything. And it's hysterical. But that's funny. But that's a pressure. But I have no idea what that's like as a sports parent. Oh, Oh, Melissa. Am I I triggering my child because I scream at games? I I highly, I I think it's great. Thank you. To have the big support. Obviously, there are parents who go out of their minds and like yell at the referees and things like that. I have no idea what that's like. By the way, I've never done that, ever. No, no. What triggers poor Coopers, Melissa goes to orientation and... They're saying, okay, we're ready for all the parents to gather together for the games. Melissa's like, I'm taking a house here. And we're <laughs> like, no, no, no. I said I might take an Airbnb for the season. <laughs> for the season. For the season. You talked about something a minute ago that I thought was really interesting. This, uh, And, and I, I call it the participation trophy thing. You need to learn how to fail. Mm-hmm. You, we used to have it when I was a kid. You, you, you'd have a couple people got trophies, that was it, or your team won, and you got a trophy. The participation trophy brigade I'm not a fan what of. What about survival of the, you know, getting that scrappiness that you learn how to play the game? Lynn, how do we <sighs> do this? How do we create children that have coping skills yet ha- know when to be resilient? And as adults, especially coming into December, when a lot of our kids are coming home, a lot of relatives are coming, things can get very contentious. I love my relatives, but sometimes they say offensive things. And I know I say offensive things back. How do we begin to cope with basically this issue and this season? So I think the the issue with kids and, and how 
to help them to be more resilient. I think one of the most important things is setting the example as a parent, right? So you need so to Cooper make- So can't bring me my Xanax and wine? <laughs> a buttery Chardonnay. And no girlfriend. There you go. And no girlfriend. Yeah. Rub but, mommy's feet while she relaxes. You know, I also think there are, there are kids who are more vulnerable and we have to pay attention to that too and, what and the, not dismiss that. Right, what do we need to look for? Mm. So I think oftentimes you want to look, it's, you know, the kid who is isolated, the kid who is not interacting with others socially in their room often. I know that can sound like a typical teenager to some degree. Don't clap so loud. But, you know, also the person who has a lot of pressure can also, it could be the popular kid too, who has lots of friends around them. It's, it's hard to just identify by looking at things. You want to pay attention to those things, but you also, you need to sit down and talk to them and you need to find out what's going on with your child. Just as we take care of our physical health and we take care of, and are very mindful of taking our care of our child's physical health, we need to do the same thing with mental health and check in with them and say, what's going on? You know, and I know they don't always talk to us. And I know there's different ways, you know, of doing that. Sometimes you have to capture them in the car and, mm -hmm. you know, when they're that's trapped. The best, that's the best position. Position. Oh, it is. You're both yeah. facing it the same is. direction. So yeah. you have to be creative and kind of figure out, you know, what that approach is. But I think going into the holiday season and dealing with lots of chaos or relatives and relationships and things that can be challenging, I think Mary Lou was talking about it earlier, is you have to determine your own boundaries, figure out what you're going to listen to, what you're not going to listen to, understand that what they're saying is not about me. It's usually about something going on with them and, you know, reframing it in that way so that you can get through that time and, and cope better through it and show your child or whoever else, you know, that you can do that and be resilient as well. Not everything has to destroy you, but there are people who are more, more vulnerable genetically in this world that we need to make sure that we're not dismissing them and, you know, making sure that they're getting seen by a therapist, a psychiatrist, if, if that's what they need. Just to start to wrap things up, going into 2020, we live in such a divided country. There is so much anger. It's there, rage versus rage. reason. No, it's also rage versus rage. And everyone has gone to their separate corners. And going into the holidays, again, I know with my cousin, we are on vastly different ends. And at Thanksgiving, it already started with a nit, 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 both of us. And I am, like I say, I'm the great purple. Like, I live in the middle. But my cousin's over here, and I have another cousin over here. And it started, and it started at lunch before Thanksgiving because my one cousin's like, I knew you were going to ask me that. I did ask a Keep question. alcohol away from them. <laughs> Definitely. What, how do we set safe boundaries during the holidays? So that it does not turn into, you know, someone burning down someone's Christmas tree and someone taking a menorah and clocking someone else over the head, <laughs> you know, or, or, or ruining someone's new year. Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's about setting ground rules to begin with, you know, just as we do in other areas of our life. It's, you know, saying, OK, look, it's Thanksgiving. We want to have a nice time with the family, you know. Let's all agree we're not talking politics today. Let's all agree we're not talking about Uncle Joe or whoever, you know, is the identified person in the family that people gossip about. So, Well, that takes the fun out of well, it. Well, yeah. yeah, there's got to be that person you're all meeting in bathrooms. Exactly. Right. Come on. Right. It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Everyone's going, 
you can do it off to the side, maybe individually <laughs> with other people. But, you know, in the group setting, if you're wanting to have nice holidays, I mean, it's about being kind to each other, obviously, mm-hmm. about setting those boundaries, setting the ground rules and respecting those. And then at times you may just have to ignore things that are said and not respond to it, which yeah. can be hard. Um, but <laughs> kind of like, you know, I'm not going there today because I'm more mm-hmm. focused on staying on, on the positive today and really celebrating what we're here, you know, for today. So kind of keeping things in perspective too. We le- we lose sight of, of the perspective of what we're there for. We should have the ability to be able to talk about things and not go after each other's throats. And I agree. unfortunately, people won't do that these days. I engage in political, religious conversation anytime, anywhere. I try to keep it civil. I'll have the conversation. We can agree to disagree, but I'm happy to bring Bring up those things and talk about them because it's the tone too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you're in the using respect. that kind of tone, it's because people get so dig their heels and rah, rah, and keep them away from alcohol, drugs, you know, tiredness. You know what I'm saying? Because that what is the that, holidays? That changes. Yeah, yeah. They take the the holidays. dairy especially. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and sadly during the holidays we do see suicide. Well, we notice like on our crisis line, for example, we're part of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and we take about 130,000 calls a year. We take less calls in November, December. I think generally everybody is trying, even if they're faking it, but generally happier. They're in the spirit. It's a time of giving. So people are more giving. And it's also a time where families connect more and come together, even if they haven't all year. Um, And so we tend to find that that time we get we still get a lot of calls, right. but a, a little less. All the Hallmark movies. And it's also springtime, April, March, April is really a higher time for calls. Really? Because, yeah, and, you know, nobody really knows why 100%, but I think part of it is that it's springtime. Everything's coming to life. Everything's blooming. Everything is new. Everything's feeling hopeful. And if you're feeling depressed and you're still kind of within yourself and not coming out of that, there's such a difference in how you feel internally and what the outside world is that it could seem more drastic or more tragic at that point. So we tend to see more uptick in the springtime, but holiday times for can create a lot of feelings in, in a lot of people. So it's important that we take care of each other and be kind to each other and and make sure that we are respecting each other during the during the holidays too having the conversations that we can but and making sure the person who's in the most trouble need to have the most attention yeah right. but not right. you don't reward bad behavior but you try to like get fascinated enough by it to like engage right it. you have a timeout room for those people yeah. <laughs> it's funny coming from a big family people always say oh well, there were a lot of tantrums and i said no the, the thing in my family was six kids it was like oh you want to throw a tantrum well go to your bedroom because there's a party in the kitchen you know what i mean <laughs> and kids don't have that it's not like a lot of people around you know one thing i did want to mention uh, when we were talking about the suicides in the time and here's one thing we didn't touch on was military and law enforcement um, suicides, and they're up tremendously. And, and one of the things I was going to say, and I'm, I was hoping you would comment on this, Lynn, is, you know, the the stigma about mental health. And I've known so many. I am a, a, actually a reserve police officer as well, and we're, I'm well aware of the suicides within the police community and within the 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 military community. And it's that reaching out, that 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 stigma about like not reaching out. We're too tough to do so. Right. And I want to encourage yeah. them, everyone to reach out. What do you find when they do reach out? What do you find? I mean, you're able to provide them help and they're able to get help? We're, you know, interesting story. So as part of D.D. Hirsch, we start, we just opened up a 
it's not new. We just relocated our suicide prevention center to a new building. Yes, we did. It's right on Olympic. It's, and it's got big old signage out front. Big awesome. sign out front that says suicide prevention center because we want people to know there's help and that there's hope. And so within the first couple of weeks being in that building, a fire truck drove by and pulled up into our parking lot and a couple of the firefighters came in and said, Aww. we just lost a firefighter to suicide and we want to know how we can get help. Wow. Oh, and wow. I, we thought that was amazing for them to walk in and to ask for help in that way. But it is tough with first responders, law enforcement, fire, you know, because the suicide rates are up. They're taught not to bring that stuff home and talk about sure. it, not to ask for help, to be strong in that situation. And they also have access to guns. Mm -hmm. And that's the other predictor in, in a way, because that's obviously the way over 50% of people die by, from suicide by using a firearm. So they're at a higher risk category because of that. But the more we talk about it openly, and thank you, Melissa, for having this show, because mm -hmm. the more we talk about it openly and let people know there is help and there is hope and that you can get better and that because you're having a problem now doesn't mean you're going to have it forever. We're hoping more people reach out and help and call our crisis line. If they, if they can't come in person to do it, that's why we have the anonymous confidential crisis line. People can call and say whatever they need to us. 130,000 people are calling us a year. Yeah, and survivor guilt, too. That's a huge thing. You guys have been amazing. Thank you. I always say everyone gets a chance to plug. So... Mary Lou. I'll go first. Plug okay. away. You know, first. Okay, I have, uh, I'm shooting four more ha Hallmark movies, yes. uh, like immediately. As uh, I say simultaneously? Yeah, <laughs> one right after the other, practically. But I, the thing I'd love is if people could come and see, I'm doing my one woman show all over the country. I've got a big one in um, uh, New York on March called? 4th. It's called A Memorable Evening with Mary Lou Henner, and it's really fun. It's a lot of fun singing and dancing and movies and all kinds of stuff. All the it's stuff really you love to do. All the stuff I love to do at 54 Below. So very, very exciting. Very good place. Yeah. Dean. I, I don't want to follow Mary Lou Henry. <laughs> no. Who does? Everything I do sounds stupid. Uh, no. No, no, I have. Uh, I, I produced. A, I did a produced a documentary last year called Architects of Denial. It was a big deal. Dealt with the Armenian genocide. Um, this year, we just put out. A, you were just trying to meet a Kardashian, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time in Armenia. Um, uh, and then uh, this year, we did a, uh, a a documentary called Hate Among Us. Uh, it deals with the rise of anti-Semitism here in the United States and really a lot in Europe. And that just came out. So it's an important documentary. And then I have. Uh, I host. You know. Uh, Masters of Illusion on the CW and the new Christmas Caroler Challenge on the CW and some other fun stuff and um, and I host a lot of you know Fox and Friends in the morning in New York which I'll be doing over the New Year's and it's a lot of fun so that's going on. Lynn. So at Didi Hirsch, a new group we developed that I want to make sure everybody is aware of is a support group for teenagers who have lost someone to suicide. Mm. Um, well, and I can use that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, oftentimes there are all these services and resources for adults who have lost someone to suicide. And Dee Dee Hirsch recognized there was a gap there. And so we developed a whole curriculum. We're trying to get these groups off the ground. So if you know a teenager anywhere within Los Angeles, we will come to you and, and do the group. And How great that you're doing all of this. Your Zero to Five program, which you were talking about earlier, it's fantastic. Yeah, Dee Dee Hirsch has a lot of wonderful services for people in need at .org, um for more. But also just want to end with it is the holiday season it is a time of stress so you know if you or someone you know may be suicidal or you're concerned about somebody who may be suicidal please call the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 okay sabrina self-care and 
be kind to others. I think it's so important during this time. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody. I have so much more I want to talk about. Um, first of all, I'm an, I'm honored to be a board member of Dee Dee Hirsch. I am about to become a member of Your Mom Cares. How cool is that? So I'm very excited about that. Dean, always a pleasure. Yes. Never forget that during a Princeton Penn football game, the Quaker jumped on the Tiger and beat the crap out of him. Tiger was being nice. Because <laughs> you know those violent Quakers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think a Tiger would eat a and Quaker. And Sabrina, my life would be empty without you. And everyone be good to each other. Remember, you know, mental health is not something to be scared of. You got to talk about it. You have to engage. You have to engage your teenagers. And, uh, you know, at D.D. Hirsch, we talk about erasing the stigma. So let's continue the good work to erase the stigma. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anybody who's perfect mentally, except for Mary, Mary Lou Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, thanks, everyone.